Lord, we pray that you'd use your word this morning to help us know how we can follow you into the world to make a difference there. We pray this in your name. Amen. This summer, some friends took my family and me out on their boat. And my kids' favorite part was when the driver would drive around in these tight little circles. And that would send out these giant waves from the boat, sort of this big ripple effect. And then he would drive the boat back over the waves that he just made, which would make the boat just bounce all over the place. And my kids thought that was the most fun thing in the history of fun. In fact, here's a picture of my son's reaction. He loved it. To me, that's a good image of what Jesus says the church is supposed to do. Send out waves of influence that bring joy to the people who experience his love. Starting first in the church and then moving out into the world. That's what Jesus is saying in the passage that we just read. He tells his disciples, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And if you look on a map, you'd see that those are concentric circles expanding out from Jerusalem. Christianity started small, just 11 fishermen who were transformed by the love of God, but it spread out from there. And it didn't spread through the use of force. It spread because this small group of people started to care for each other and for the world around them. And that created a splash that sent ripples of influence that eventually reached the whole world. The ripple effect. We're doing a series called Counterculture. How do we as American Christians live counter to the culture around us in life-giving, refreshing ways? And we've been talking about how we can do that as individuals. Today I want to talk about how we can do that together as a church. How we can make a difference in our culture. And I want to talk about some plans we have to take care of our aging chapel building up the hill, but also to take care of some kids and youth in our community and in Africa. This is kind of a preview of things to come. I'll talk about it today, then we won't talk about it for the next couple of weeks as we finish out this sermon series, and then after Easter, we'll start talking about it again. This is just kind of a preview. And for those of you who are visiting, we don't normally do this. This is kind of a family business day, but would love to have you listen in. One of the things I just love about this church is that we have been sending out ripples of influence for Christ ever since we began. And I never get tired of telling this church's story. Because I think we've got a great story. A church that was started in Bellevue way back when Bellevue only had one stoplight. And all the experts said that maybe, if we were lucky and the wind blew just right and we prayed real hard, that eventually we could have as many as 400 people in this church. And we blew through that number in just a few years, and ever since, we've been following Jesus and making him known to our community. And we've been doing that in a particular kind of way, through how we serve. Starting things like hunger relief programs and coffee houses for street youth and adopting villages in Guatemala, all the way up to Stevenson Project and the Divine Makeover. The plot of our story as a church has been to make Christ known through service. But if that's the plot, the subplot has been building buildings. Check out some of these headlines from past annual reports. Attendance continues to increase, facilities inadequate, 1964. This is my favorite. Building complete can turn to other tasks, 1968. (laughs) And then just two years later, crowding evident in worship in church school, 1970. Didn't take long. 
Dedication of New Sanctuary, 1995. The more we reached out and cared for people, the more we had to build buildings, which just makes sense. Because if you love people, they're going to want to come to your church. Which brings us to the present. Now, before you turn me off completely, don't worry, I'm not going to ask you for any money today. I just want to let you all in on where we're headed and what we've been praying about as leaders. As a lot of you know, we have been studying what to do with that aging chapel building for four years now. And we have found just a number of problems. Too many to mention, but just a couple of examples. The electrical system up there doesn't work. You can't plug in too many things at a time. Some of you know that. The pipes are corroded. The boiler was used when we bought it 40 years ago. Okay, we've been living on borrowed time on that one, right? I mean, whenever we walk into that building and there's heat, we should fall on our knees and say, praise Jesus, it's a miracle. On top of that, it is too small. We have 2,800 children in this church. And we are out of room everywhere. And we're going to have to start hanging kids from the rafters, which would be undignified. And we don't want to do that. And that doesn't even take into account all the ways that building is used to serve our community. Through things like Eastside Academy and Kid Reach and the preschool, 80% of which comes from kids from our community, not from this church. Now, it's not going to fall down tomorrow, so don't go running out of the building and panicking. But it is nearing the end of its life. And we feel a responsibility to our kids and the public that uses it to make sure it is adequate and safe. That's the challenge. But we also have this mandate from Jesus. And we have this great history as a church of serving our community and our world. So how does an outward turning, serving the community to show them Jesus' church, do a building program? Well, our elders have been studying this and fasting and praying about this for two years. In fact, some of them are here. If you're a current elder, would you just please raise your hand so folks can kind of get a sense of who's been helping with this? Fasting and praying about this for two years, and we do not have every detail nailed down yet, but we will soon, and we want to get going on this because it gets more expensive every day. So our elders and I believe that God is calling us to do three things in three concentric circles. The first is this. We need to meet the needs of this church. We're proposing an $11 million project to rebuild the chapel building up the hill. Now, it does look like the whole thing is going to have to come down. We have tried various ways to save it. We've had a lot of experts look at it, but they've concluded that it wouldn't be cost-effective to keep it. And I know for some of you that's, that's, that's going to be hard. I know for me, if if University Presbyterian were to tear down their sanctuary, that would be very hard for me because I've got a lot of great memories there. But we also know that we need to be good stewards of what God has given us. So we believe the best thing to do is to tear it down and build a building that will provide safer, more adequate space for our children and youth, better space for Eastside Academy. We think we can even add a few more parking spots as we go. Can I have an amen? More parking. Amen? Yeah. And if we exceed our financial goals, we think we need to provide some more space for our modern worship services. Did you know that it has only been a year and 945 is already almost full? And so if we can do it, if we can afford it, we'd like to provide more room for more people to come and hear about Jesus. That's the first circle, taking care of the needs of this church. But we also want to be reaching out to our community and our world. This isn't just about us. So the next circle is to meet the needs of our community. And a while back, a building became available in the Lake Hills neighborhood on 140th Street, just south of Stevenson. 
And an individual in our church who's been touched by the ministries of this church provided us with a short-term loan so we could secure that property. And we've set up a separate nonprofit organization called the Jubilee Reach Center, where we can locate a service center to meet some needs in our community. Things like drug and alcohol counseling, after-school programs, which is so needed in this community for kids, especially whose parents both work, tutoring and mentoring programs for at-risk youth, maybe eventually things like medical and legal help, daycare, all those kinds of things. Kind of a signature project that this church can adopt. We've been talking about that for years. It would be a separate organization from this church, but we feel called to get it started and then bring other Christian organizations in on it as well. And that's $2 million to buy it and get it up and running. That's the second circle. And the third circle is to meet the needs of our world. We're proposing an $800,000 project that will do two things. The first is to start a center in Rwanda for street kids and vulnerable youth that will get several hundred kids a year off the streets, many of them orphaned by the genocide, living in poverty, as young as 9 or 10 years old, working in prostitution just to survive. Take several hundred of those kids a year and train them, give them job skills, and get them off the streets. 600000 to get that started. And then we want to set aside 150000 Dollars to help children and youth in southern Sudan get clean water and decent education. Sudan and Rwanda, as you know, are linked. They've both been ravaged by poverty, AIDS, and genocide, and we want to help. Three circles, all having to do with children and youth, meeting the needs of kids in our church, in our community, and in the world. Concentric circles. Total it all up, includes some inflation. It's about $14 million. And we're calling this project the ripple effect. The idea is it's like a stone that's tossed in the water and sends out ripples. And we believe that this church is called to make some waves in our culture. To send out ripples of influence into our culture and expand God's kingdom in this church, our community, and in our world. Now, the thing about ripples is, you see, you need that stone to make the ripples. This church needs to be healthy and strong in order to make the ripples. But if you throw the stone in the water and it just sinks and doesn't make any waves, that's an ineffective stone. We don't want to be an ineffective stone. So you need the ripples too. You need both. You need the church to be strong, but you need the church to be moving out into the world. The ripple effect. When I think of this project, I think of someone like Lori Taylor, an elder in our church, who first heard about Jesus as a little girl up there in that building. And now she started a farmer's market in our parking lot that's not only a great service to our community, but it also helps local farmers with economic assistance by giving them a place to sell their produce. That's the ripple effect. Little girl hears about Jesus and suddenly local farmers are getting some needs met. It starts with us and it goes out there into the community and the world. The thing I like about this is it is a bold vision. I am very excited what our elders have come up with. And I, I, I love it because I think it's going to change a lot of lives. It's not about buildings. You all know that. It's about changing lives. It's about helping children and youth that come to this church know Jesus. And man, do they need that. I was in the mall the other day, and I walked past Abercrombie and Fitch, saw those giant posters of sort of half-dressed people. And I thought, how do I raise my daughters in this culture? where the culture convinces them that in order to be valuable, they have to kind of wear almost nothing at all so some guy will notice them. How do I raise my daughters in this culture? What do I tell my son about what it means to be a man? I need help. I need a lot of help. We all need help, and that is why what we do in our children and youth programs is so important. 
Because those programs help kids know Jesus and live counter to the culture in ways that are refreshing and life-giving and give them the abundant life Jesus came to give them. This whole project is about pushing back in our culture, sending influence out into our culture for Jesus by helping kids in our church know him, by helping at-risk youth on the east side in the name of Jesus, and by helping all those kids in Rwanda, many of whom literally will not die, literally will not die if we do this thing. It's about changing lives. But not just the lives of all those kids, but our lives as well. I was a little slow to come to this project. I'll talk about that a little, in a little bit. But one of the things that convinced me was that this could actually be something that changes us as individuals and as a church. That, that this isn't just about raising money. If it was, I wouldn't do it, honest. I'm a pastor, not a fundraiser, an architect, or a builder. What I care about most, honestly, no spin control, what I care about most is that we all grow in our relationship to Christ and how we're showing him to the world. Now, I also care about the 14 million. It's a close second at this point. But I care more, honestly, that we all grow in our walk with him. And I believe that this can help us do that. Because when God starts getting in our pocketbooks, he's starting to mess with us. It's a pretty deep levels. And I believe this can be a spiritual journey that changes us. Because I believe that God doesn't use us to get projects done. God uses projects to get us done. And I think this can help get us done. I know for me, it's already changing me. I have prayed harder and longer about this decision than anything in my life. And as my wife and I have started to pray about what we're going to give to this project over and above what we're already giving... It is making us a lot more generous people. In fact, we'll sort of reach a number, an amount that we feel real good about, and yeah, that's the number. And then about a week later, God jacks it up. This has been going on for about six weeks now, so we need to hurry up and get this done or I'm going to go broke. (laughs) This project can be a spiritual journey. It's got to be. That can teach us about sacrifice. As an American baby boomer, I don't know much about that, but I want to be the kind of man who can do that. It can teach us how to pray as we wrestle with God where he would have us in this project, what he would want us to do about it. It can teach us to have more faith as we do something that's just a little bit, seems a little bit bigger than we can do. And it can help our hearts be more like the heart of Christ. Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. And that means if some of our treasure is in those three circles, well, then some of our hearts are going to be in those three circles. And that's good because that's where God's heart is. And that helps our heart be more like his. This can be a spiritual journey that changes us. We hired some experts to advise us on how to do this whole thing because it's big. And one of them told me a story about another church he was working with right here on the east side. And in that church, there were two women who volunteered to help organize their capital campaign. And they liked it so much that when the campaign was over, they wanted to keep serving in some way. So they prayed about it and they decided to start a crisis pregnancy center to help women who found themselves in that predicament, and to help provide babies for families that are wanting to adopt. And one of the people that ended up adopting a baby from that crisis pregnancy center was the man that we've hired to help advise us on this capital campaign. Now, that church's capital campaign was a lot more than a fundraiser. It was a life-changing journey for these two women who started this center, for the women that they helped, and for the families that they helped to adopt a baby. God doesn't use us to get projects done. He doesn't need us. God uses projects to get us done. And I believe that this can be a spiritual journey that changes us.
You know, and I know that 14 million, it sounds like a big goal. Uh, you know, it's sort of a little maybe scary. You know, it sounds like pretty huge. In fact, the experts have told us that it will be a big stretch for us, maybe just a little beyond our reach. But the experts also told us we'd only have 400 people in this church. You see, that's why you hire experts, for the joy of proving them wrong. But raising the $14 million is not the most important part of this thing, and I really believe that, and I mean it. It's whether or not we grow in Christ. And if we do that, the $14 million will take care of itself. So here's what I'm going to ask of you today. Not asking for money today. And I know you've got a lot of questions, and in the first week of May, we're going to provide some events where you can ask those questions and get them answered. And we'll talk more about this after Easter, but here's what I want to ask of you today. The first is this. I want to ask you to start praying. Nothing happens without prayer. Start praying for the kids whose lives will be touched by this project. Pray that we will be changed by this project. And after the service, if you go to the back table, there's some handout sheets there that can help get you started praying in some creative ways. Second thing I'm going to ask you to do is engage. Don't just walk away, but engage. And start asking God what he may be asking you, what role he may be asking you to take in this. The third thing I'm going to ask you to do is attend. Attend all five sermons that I will preach between April 23rd and May 21st just to hear about this vision in more detail. Don't say, oh, they're going to be talking about money for five weeks. I'm not going to come. Don't do that. I'm actually not going to talk about money all that much. Instead, I'm going to talk about the spiritual benefits that can come from this, things like faith and how to pray and sacrifice. And I'm not going to put any pressure on you, I promise we're not going to have a lot of gimmicks up here like a giant thermometer, you know, with the, you know, the victory goal and the hallelujah goal and the glory praise Jesus goal, you know. And I know that's a huge disappointment to some of you, but we're not going to do it. I vetoed that one right off the start. Nope. Not going to have a little keychain with a thermometer either. Just, just make a commitment today to come to all five of those Sunday sermons and maybe some of the events in May. And if you do all of that, if you pray, engage, and attend, if you do all of that for all five weeks and you decide you don't want to give anything to this, that is okay. You have done the process, and that is okay. And nobody's going to know whether you give or not. I'll never know. Only God and our business manager will know, and they can both keep a secret, even the business manager. But I believe if you pray, engage, and attend, God's going to move your heart to be part of this somehow. Pray, engage, attend. And then for those of you who feel called, the last thing I want to ask you to do is serve. After the service, we're going to be passing out some information on this campaign as you leave. And part of what we're going to do is we're going to have some teams of people to help us do this campaign. And if you feel led to do that, we would love it if you would. It's a very short commitment, just a couple of months. A great way to get involved if you don't know anyone in this church. This would be a great way for you to start to make some friends on a short-term basis. And it could be fun. You know, if you just love to organize things, some of you like to do that. I think that's weird, but some of you like it. If you just love to organize things, join the administration team. If you just love to throw a party, join the team that will help us with some of those events in May. If you're interested, you can sign up at the table in the back. Pray, engage, attend, and if you feel led, serve. You know, I know a lot of you have been through a lot of capital campaigns in this church. What I want to say to you from the bottom of my heart is thank you. Your sacrifices over the years have made a difference in literally thousands of people's lives. And for those of you who haven't yet participated in one, here's your chance. 
Here's your chance to be part of something big that God is going to do, not only in our church, but in our community and in our world. And if we all do this, if we all open up to God honestly and in prayer say, Lord, given my resources, given my circumstances, what do you want me to do? What part do you want me to play? If we all do this, a lot of lives are going to be changed in the name of Jesus. You know, it took me a while to be okay with this. At first, I was really resisting. Uh, The staff would tell you that dragging my heels would be putting it mildly. And one day I was talking with Jane Lewis, our children's ministry director, and she's been here for 30 years. She's trained three senior pastors, David, Dick, and myself. She knows all about the care and feeding of senior pastors. And we were exchanging views on this subject in a rather vigorous way, in the love of Jesus, of course. And I was just laying it on thick. I said, Jane, there are kids in our own community that aren't getting the support they need. Some of them don't even have a hot meal every day. There are kids all over the world that are literally dying of hunger and disease. And can you tell me Jesus would want us to address our issues here instead of taking care of those kids? And Jane looked at me and she said, no. I'm telling you Jesus would want us to do it all. And I said, oh, that sounds right. hate when that happens. And as soon as she said it, I realized that the problem wasn't too big, it was too small. My vision was too small. Now, we can't help every kid, but we can help some. And Jesus would want us to help kids in all three of those circles in his name. Because which one of those circles does Jesus love more? Can you tell me? The kid on the east side who's being wrecked by our culture and desperately needs to know Christ... The kid who's at risk in our own community or the kid in Africa, which kid does Jesus love more? He loves them all, doesn't he? And he wants them all to have their needs met. But more importantly than that, he wants all of them to know him. Because more important than having your needs met, that's good, but more important than that is knowing the God who loved you enough to die for you. And I believe Jesus would want us to do all we can in each of these three circles. And it's going to take every one of us. We're all needed, but together I think we can make a difference in our culture and in our world. As you have heard me say before, I believe the local church is the hope of the world. That's why I do what I do. I don't think it's a government. I don't think it's a social service agency. I believe the local church is the hope of the world. Because the problem in the world is the sin-soaked human heart. And I believe that this local church is part of that hope by making Jesus known, because only he has the cure. I love this picture of our church. That long colonnade, you can't see it very well, but that long colonnade extending out, reaching like an arm, reaching out to the east side skyline beyond. And what it's carrying is the cross of Christ. And I think that's who we are. A group of Christ followers whose common life together overflows out of here into the community out there, carrying the good news of the God who loved us enough to die for us. And I'm asking you, will you join me in this next phase of the journey so that more and more kids in our church community and world can find the kind of joy that comes only from knowing Jesus, the kind of joy that will put a smile on their face bigger even than this one, the ripple effect. I'm asking you, will you join me? Lord Jesus, thank you for this local church and the ways that you have used us over the last 50 years and counting to bring hope to the people in this church, in our community, in our world. And Lord, we pray that you would help us engage with you each one as individuals, to know where, what role you want us to play in this next phase. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to partner with you in changing our culture and our world. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.